Today, we're going to learn about the spiritual discipline of celebration. Here's the heart of it. When you believe the gospel and take it in, then your outlook on life in every way changes. Your relationship to the past, how you experience the present, and how the future strikes you, all of those things shift and you become a person who celebrates life every day. Consider this. The story of Jesus begins and ends with joy. You hear it at the very start from the angels who come to the shepherds who are keeping watch over their flocks by night. Do not be afraid. We bring you good news of great, help me out, of great joy. The news of Jesus' arrival is joy for all people. You hear it also at the end. The very last time Jesus speaks with his disciples, he tells them, I have taught you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Total, perfect, comprehensive, perpetual joy. That, according to Jesus, is the point. Those who trust and follow Jesus ought to be people who are in the habit of celebrating, receiving every bit of life as a joyful gift, and then living each day gladly. Find your way to the book of Philippians. I'm going to give you a moment to get there. A letter that was written from a very difficult place to people in a very difficult place. And in the fourth chapter of that book, verse 4 offers guidance which each one of us is meant to take to heart and free to accept and follow gladly. This is verse 4 of chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. At all times and in all circumstances, learn to celebrate as you live for Jesus. That's what in the Lord means, choosing to live as a disciple of Jesus. Walk as he walked, value what he valued, look at the world the way he looked at the world, obey and believe, and then practice joy and gladness with a heart that celebrates always. Do you think that's easier said than done? You know that celebration is not the rule for most people. It's the exception. I know this because for 20 years as a pastor, I've talked with thousands of people. And the truth is, celebration is something that most people do infrequently. Only now and then on rare occasions. And as we grow older, we do it less often. I get grumpier every year. Anyone else? (laughs) Most people... Not just you. Most people live with much less joy than they wish. Celebrating way less often than they want to. Because life can weigh you down. Does that sound right? Sometimes it's the past failures that we carry. If that's true for you, let those failures of yours come into your mind just for a moment. 
Guilt and regret make joy impossible. When a mistake back there defines you, then self-doubt removes all capacity for celebration. There's also the pressure of present challenges, unmanageable circumstances now. Anyone facing something like that? Overwhelmed and defeated, there is no room for celebration. Everything is too much. And then we also have the future to worry about, don't we? The deadening power of anticipation. Fearing the worst in an approaching crisis that you know you can't control. How do you rejoice then? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice How can anyone rejoice ever, the world being what it is? The Apostle Paul wrote these words. We might think this guy has to be out of touch, completely unrealistic. Maybe he never suffered, disconnected from reality. If you think anything like that about him, you're wrong. Paul had plenty of past failures to feel guilty about. And he was facing present challenges when he wrote this, as hard as anything that you can imagine. And his future was completely uncertain, out of his control, and bleak. And yet, he rejoiced. How? The answer, and I'm so excited that I get to give this to you today. I'm so glad. The answer lies in the convictions he held because he believed the gospel. His faith changed his outlook on the past and on the present and on the future in a way that enabled him to be joyful no matter what was back there or right now or down the road. And this morning, I want to show you what those convictions are so that you also can make a responsible decision to hold those as well, to believe like he believes, and you are free to make that choice. And if you do, then you'll have the ground upon which to build the spiritual discipline of celebration. Then you will become a person who is free to rejoice always. Would you like that? Okay, I'm going to challenge you before I show you the first one, that once you see it, the ball is in your court. It it is entirely up to you whether you decide to take these to heart or not. And, And it will make all the difference if you do. It will. Let's start with Paul's outlook on the past. His conviction about what was behind him was this. I can let it go. I don't have to hold on to my past failures. I don't have to. I can put them down And I am completely able to move forward as a new man. The mistakes, the missteps and misdeeds behind me, they do not have to weigh me down anymore. I don't have to pretend I'm perfect. I don't. I'm not. I don't have to hide who I've been. But I also do not need to be hindered by guilt at all anymore because, this is what Paul believed, because I know that I'm free to let it go. If you had that conviction... Would it help you be more joyful? I know a few folks personally who would say an emphatic yes at this point. Not everyone, but many folks. Look at the third chapter of this 
Same letter to the Philippian church. Find your way to verse 13. That's what Paul writes there. This one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. There is a goal and a prize out in front of everyone who accepts God's grace in Jesus. It is out in front of you. And the promise is life with God through Christ's grace forever. That means eternal joy, but you cannot move forward toward that goal while you're looking back. And anyone with a conscience who knows that he's failed back there will have to grapple with what to do with the guilt that he bears for his wrong choices. Let those wrong choices come into your own mind. Maybe it's a small thing that you did this morning. Maybe it's something enormous that you've hidden from almost everyone that's way back there. Whatever it is, here we learn that we are completely free to let it go. And that's hard to do when you know you're guilty. Paul had a past that could have easily made joy impossible for him. Maybe you know the story of the death of Stephen. The new Christian movement was only a few months old and it was gaining steam in Jerusalem. There were a group of religious folks, Paul was one of them, who believed this was a development that was against God's wishes. And, and so they organized and got together and they decided we will do anything at all to stop it. And then there was one very brilliant uh, speaker. His name was Stephen. And he was asked to describe what happened with Jesus before a council when he began to unfold God's grace in Jesus for everyone. The group became so angry, they mobbed him. They gathered stones and they murdered him. And while that was happening, they laid their coats at the feet of Paul. He was called Saul then. But he stood there approvingly as they brutally murdered someone for talking about Jesus. Can you imagine having that in your past and then coming to be a part of the community of Jesus? Would you feel guilty? That was in Paul's past. Many Christians, many of us, have something back there that makes it impossible for us to experience joy as long as we go on carrying the guilt of it. Everywhere we look, we see people who appear to be more righteous than we are because we know the secret. And way down then, by self-doubt and regret, whenever this happens, that person will stop growing and stop moving forward. And the call to rejoice always, that invitation for the person who struggles with the past, will sound like an invitation to a party whose doors are firmly locked to them. But listen now. The doors to that party are open to you. They're open to everyone. You are also free to let it go. Because when Jesus died for you, and he did, the legal record with its demands against you, God took that away and he nailed it to the cross with Jesus. It is no longer yours to hold on to. You can go back to the cross and try to take it off and then carry it around with you. Do that and you will be a person who struggles all his life long with celebration, but you are also free to leave it on the cross. And then like Paul, you can let it go so you can move forward. The first conviction of Paul's beneath this invitation to rejoice always is that we are all free to forget what lies behind and then strain forward to what's ahead. That's first. 
Will you take that one to heart? That's first. Let's move on to Paul's outlook on the present. His conviction about what's happening right now is this. I can make it through. No matter what challenges come in the present, Paul is confident that he can make it because he knows Christ will give him strength for whatever he has to face. Back to the letter uh, to the Philippians in chapter 4, find verse 13. Listen carefully. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Not I might do, but I can do. Not some things, but all things. Not through my strength, but through him who strengthens me. No matter what I face in the present, I can make it through because Christ will give me the strength needed to walk through whatever he calls me to go through. You believe that and you can rejoice no matter what's happening right now. What's happening right now? I know, I know for some of you what's happening right now seems impossible to get through. This conviction of Paul's is, I can make it. And you also are invited to accept that same conviction. Some people have it easy right now, right? Some people are confident because their lives are super easy. That's not Paul. He was brutally abused in a prison in Rome when he wrote this letter. That meant he was confined like an animal, chained. There was no hope of rehabilitation. He was put in that cell either to be murdered at the end of it or maybe released if there was a reason to do that. He was isolated, alone. He had no friends around him. And yet there in that moment, he was still able to say with confidence, I can make it through it. And that was because of what he believed about not his own strength, but the strength of Christ. He had no control over what was happening to him, but still he was convinced I can do all things. Now, please listen. This does not mean that he has the power to do whatever he sets his mind to. And sometimes this passage is used to to sort of found that kind of outlook. It's not true. It's easy to misunderstand this in isolation. This is not a promise that you can achieve any goal you set your mind to. Have you ever wished for that? I could do anything I wanted to? We all wish for that, but it's just not true. There are things that you wish you could do that you'll never be able to do, and that's okay. We're all made with limitations. That's a part of what it means to be a human being. That's why we need other people, because we can't do everything. But here what Paul means is, whatever I have to go through, I can make it. And that is also true for you. And here's why. Because God promises to provide you his sustaining power through the presence of his Holy Spirit. It's Christ within you. You can make it through anything that you have to go through with his strength. Paul knew this from his own experience. In another place, he put it like this. God's power is made perfect in our weakness. And he wrote that because he was too weak to deal with something. He asked God to change it. God did not change it. When we are too weak, 
God's strength is plenty. It's enough. That's when God proves his faithfulness by empowering us to walk through whatever river is there before us without getting swept away or to stand there in the fire without getting burned up because he is and always will be there to help us at every step. Whether we are well-fed or hungry, as Paul says earlier here, whether we have plenty or a little, whether we've got everything we need or not enough, the power of Christ for us in the present is completely trustworthy and enables us to make it through whatever we have to walk through. You believe that, listen, and then you can practice the spiritual discipline of celebration, no matter how hard things are right now. And that is why celebration is a discipline. The joy that Jesus invites us to is the result of conscious choices that we make every day over and over again. What if I don't get the job and I still don't have enough income? You can make it through that with Christ's strength. You can. What if I have to lose that friendship? You can make it with his strength. What if the kids keep going further away from God and I can't change their decisions, and I can see how tough life is going to be for them because of it, you can make it through even that. What if she leaves me and I'm alone? Okay, you're too weak for that. God's strength will be there for you. What if the diagnosis is negative and there's no recovery? What if death defeats me and I leave her and the children behind with all of that grief? You can make it through that and they can make it too. And this is not something that can be proved. It's, it's a conviction that comes with believing the gospel and you are free to believe it. And if you do, it changes your experience of the present. The truth is, through Christ who strengthens you, there is nothing in the present that you can't make it through. Believe that and be free from the fear of defeat and then rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. One more. That's the present. One more. How about Paul's outlook on the future? Here it is. It's four words. I can trust God. With the next steps, which I cannot see, with the outcome that is still uncertain, with everything that I wish I knew, but I can't, God is trustworthy and I can trust him with the future. I can. I know, I know that you're worried. I know that. You're anxious about something that's coming down the road. It's a secret. We all are. As long as you are anxious, you have no room in your heart for celebration. And Jesus came and taught and freed us, liberated us, and saved us for joy. And joy can't live beside worry. It's either anxiety or rejoicing, not both. Whatever anticipation is, is bothering you right now, let that come into your mind and then listen to these words. This is chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 in Philippians. Do not worry about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let God know exactly what it is. And then the peace of God, which is beyond you to even understand, 
will guard your heart and your mind now. How? When you choose to trust God. And that choice is yours to take. There are so many things that are out of our hands. There are no things that are out of God's hands. There are so many things down the road that are way too complicated for you. None of them are too complicated for God. The future will have problems that you are unable to solve. God can solve every bit of what comes down the road. There are going to be burdens for all of us that are too heavy for us to carry. None of them are too heavy for God. And nothing at all can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And that is the truth. One thing we can hold on to, all of us, is that we can trust God with the future and the outcome, as Paul did. Believe that. Call it to mind every time you are fretful about the future, and then rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it. Rejoice. Decide today and then tonight and tomorrow and the next day to be a person who practices the spiritual discipline of celebration, who lets Jesus aim to bring joy become a reality in her life and then spread that joy and celebration to others. Listen again to all three of Paul's convictions and then decide now whether you will also let them be your convictions. I can let it go. Whatever I've been carrying from the past, I can set it down. Do that. I can make it through. Whatever I have to face, I can make it. Christ will strengthen me. Believe that. I can trust God. I don't know the future, but I am loved by the one who holds everything in his hands. I can trust him no matter what comes. Take these three to heart, and then you will have the ground to stand upon so that you can build the spiritual discipline of celebration into your life. You can become a person of joy, someone who rejoices always, whose habit is celebration. And one last word from Paul's letter. This is going to be practice for us right now as we stand upon this ground uh, to celebrate. This is verse 8 in chapter 4. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Look at each one of those things up there and and for a moment, let whatever is true that, that you know of, whatever is honorable and just, something which is pure and pleasing and commendable, something that is excellent and worthy of praise, come into your mind and dwell on it for a moment. When I open my heart to that, there are so many things. It's hard to single one out, but listen, I have one. And this one I have for you because of what we did last week together. As we heard from Javi share about the children waiting to be sponsored down in Honduras. 
there were 80 of you who decided to be chosen by a child to say, we will answer God's invitation to care for Jesus by caring for the most needy, by choosing to put ourselves forward and allow ourselves to be chosen by a child in Honduras. I saw many of your photos on uh, the Facebook page. On Tuesday, I got to watch a live stream of those children in that village making their choices. Do you think I was so happy that I cried? <laughs> Obviously. It was so moving. It was so good, and it was so just, and it was so worthy of praise and commendable to see that. Our goal was to have 100 people uh, decide to sponsor a child, and the good news is that 20 more of you will choose to do that today. I know, I know that that will happen. And those children will have a visible and a tangible sign of God's faith and goodness because more and more of us are growing with roots down into Christ to become people whose faith is active and alive. And, and I tell you, those children will be celebrating. And as we discover which children have chosen us, we will also celebrate because God is good and God is trustworthy. With our past and everyone's past, with our present and, and, and everyone's present, and with the future, altogether trustworthy is God. Let's join our hearts now and pray. God, we thank you so much for the gift of the gospel, which tells us that in Christ you have come and reconciled the world to yourself that you have set things right, that you have conquered the worst of all enemies, death, and that in your resurrection you have come to bring us life and to be with us in this present moment. We thank you that because of who you have decided to be in relationship to us, we are free to let the past go and we can make it through whatever we have to face in the present and we can trust you with the future. God, with that knowledge firmly in our hearts, with that conviction beneath the way we face every day of our lives, would you please help every one of us grow as people who celebrate, who are joyful in the Lord always. We thank you for the many opportunities that you have given us to serve you by caring for others. We especially celebrate those decisions to sponsor children through World Vision. We are so thankful for the way that you've moved in our hearts to help us be generous. God, please increase our generosity. Help us grow even more. And then help us celebrate your faithfulness together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.